Good. My name is Troy Pearson, and uh, I am the senior pastor at Westside Baptist Church here in Harrisonburg. I get to go to church with Donnie and Paige Wilson. I know many of you know them, and, uh, and wonderful little Tommy, yeah? And that's always fun. Uh, uh, Tommy, I think, recognizes me now, which is really cool. Yeah, it's really cool when he'll look for me and, and we get to have little conversations. Um, I've been, I've been uh, at Westside now for, golly, uh, I'm in my 13th year, and I, I can't believe it. But, yep, they've, uh, they've had me there for that long, and um, nobody's asked me to leave yet, which is kind of crazy because I wondered, this is my first time ever being a pastor. You know, I haven't been, I'm not one of these old guys that have been to like five different churches and then finally ended up in Harrisonburg. That's not my story. And I'll get into my story a little bit later, but I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Um, before coming to Harrisonburg, my family and I served as missionaries in South America. We were with uh, a group called New Tribes Mission, and uh, we, we were there for four years. My youngest daughter was born in Asuncion, the capital city. And it was kind of an interesting journey, but I don't want to get I don't want to get ahead of myself. I am uh, I have I am so fortunate. I have been married to the love of my life for thirty years now. Yep, uh, my wife Christy is amazing. We have four children. Um, I have three sons that uh, Noble, Zane, and Cross. And uh, Noble's twenty seven. Zane's twenty five. And Cross is twenty three years old today yeah uh, yeah thank you I wish uh, he's actually in Arizona at the University of Arizona that's where he's studying and then I also have a 16 year old princessa my daughter Callie now if you were doing math in your head you realize I said 27 25 23 and then I said 16 yes she was a surprise <laughs> I will admit it and a 16-year-old daughter, I was not prepared for that. I raised three boys, but a 16-year-old daughter is a different animal indeed. So, as you go to bed tonight, please remember me in your prayers, 16-year-old daughter. All right, you know a little bit about me now, and it's my understanding that in, the, in recent uh, evenings like this, you've been studying through the book of James, correct? Okay, and uh, this evening we're in chapter 4, James chapter 4, if you have your Bible with you, and I sure hope you do, go ahead and turn to James chapter 4. So far in this chapter, you guys have discussed selfish desires that cause fights and quarrels among certain people, that is, when they don't get their way. I'm sure that we've all seen that in one form or another. I've always said that I believe in my heart that selfishness, selfishness is at the very core of our sinful natures. Now think about that for a minute. That's when we are placing our own personal desires over and above God's desires. If you think about the origins of sin way back in the Garden of Eden, isn't that what Adam and Eve did? They wanted to be like God. They, did, they lived in paradise. And they gave it up because they wanted what they wanted and they wanted it their own way. Now when we refuse to humble ourselves, I think you've already studied this in chapter 4, when we refuse to submit to God, that's always when the enemy shows up and very subtly takes us by the hand and leads us astray. 
takes us down paths that we know we don't want to go, we shouldn't be going. And that's when we tend to grab on to the temporary things of this world and we take our minds off of the eternal things that God really wants us to be paying attention to. Okay, so you've read through and you've studied a, a lot of that type of material. Then in this chapter, the pendulum tends to swing and it swings in the opposite direction from those who refuse to submit themselves to God to those who think they have it better, to think that they have more in favor with God, and that gives them the right to pass judgment on others. How many of you have encountered someone like that? That they've been a Christian for a long time, they feel like they walk the path pretty well, and so it's easy to look at somebody else and say, at least I'm not as messed up as you. At least I'm not as messed up as you. At least I don't do this. At least I don't do that. And then we like to conveniently forget that sin is sin in the eyes of God. And we quickly try to take the judgment seat. But God doesn't see it this way. God doesn't see it this way. He did not intend for you. He did not intend for you. And after you are, and after who you are, and how long you've been a you're not to sit on the judgment seat. And every time we try, and every time we try to tell God, it's over. Let God sit over. Let me sit there for a little while. And if you recall, and if you recall, isn't that what an angel named Lucifer did? And tried to take over the throne of God in heaven. And was expelled along with a bunch of his other When we cast judgment on others, it's like we're trying to do that. We're trying to push God off the throne and take his place. All right, I think we're caught up with what you've already looked at in James chapter 4. And then tonight, we're going to get into our passage for this evening. As I said, James chapter 4, am I coming off of these mics too? Is that, no, okay. We're in James chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. I have this in my handy dandy travel Bible, which the words seem to get smaller and smaller with every passing year. I don't know. I'm going to try my best. All right, we're, we're going to read verses 13 through 17. Please follow along with me in, in, as we go to the Word of God. Now listen. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or to that city. Spend a year there. Carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone, then, who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. May God bless the reading of his word. I want to tell you about a friend of mine. Um, his name's William, and I've known William for a long, long time. We went to middle school together. We went to high school together. Um, William's a little different. He, uh, he was a nerdy guy. Very nerdy guy. Some of you are probably sitting there going, aren't you a nerdy guy? But he was much more nerdy than I. He was a church kid, small build, non-athletic. He got made fun of a lot. But William had probably one of the strongest faiths I had ever witnessed in a young person when I was back then at that point in time. He was unashamed to stand up for what he knew was right. He was trying, even as a middle schooler, even as a high schooler, trying to live as God intended. 
by God's ways. Now, William had a younger brother named Stephen. Stephen was, I guess, maybe four years younger than the rest of us, but you know how kid brothers are. They always want to hang around. They think the brother's older friends are cool. He saw, though, how much his big brother got picked on all the time. You know, we see it. I wish bullying wasn't a thing, but it is. It always has been. So, but, so, so Stephen decided, you know, I don't want to have that. I want my life to be a little bit better than William's. Stephen wasn't quite as nerdy. He was a bit more athletic. He played sports. He hung out with the cool kids. Stephen was also a Christian. I'm not shortchanging him. He went to church every Sunday with his family, just like, just like William did. And after high school, Stephen attended Virginia Commonwealth University over in Richmond, just like his big brother did. Stephen was just a little bit more worldly than William. He, like a lot of young people, he liked to party. He liked to go out to, you know, with his friends. He liked to go to a bar every now and then and have a good time. And I think it was the final semester of his senior year at VCU. He was out on a Friday night with a group of friends. They were having a blast. It was a great time, lots of fun. They were at a bar in Richmond. When one of his buddies got into a fist fight, that happens fairly often at bars. Too much testosterone mixed with too much alcohol can lead to that. Well, one of his best buddies got into this fist fight with another guy at the bar. Stephen was a good guy. He jumped in to break up the fight. He was doing his best. He wasn't a violent guy. He didn't want to hurt anybody. He just wanted to stop anybody else from getting hurt. So he's pushing the two guys apart. But unfortunately, the guy that his friend was fighting, he was a violent guy. And he pulled out a knife, and he stabbed Stephen in the abdomen. And he died in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. He was 21 years old. Now, I'm assuming that's pretty close in age range to many of you. 21 years old. Some of you are sitting there right now and you're going, man, why did we invite this guy? Pastor Troy, you come in here and you're going to tell us this super depressing and sad story? What's that all about? We want to hear jokes. In our passage tonight, James, he points out that no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow. No one knows what's going to happen the day after that. No one knows what's going to happen next week. None of us knows what's in store for us next year. Just this Sunday after church, we had um, one of our longtime members, an older lady in the congregation who's had a lot of health problems. She was in a car accident out on 33 with her, her mother, who's like 90. They got T-boned by a car that was going about 55 her mother, the 90-year-old, walked away from the accident unscathed, just a little shook up. The lady who was driving is, had, uh, had an eight-hour surgery today. She was med-flighted over to UVA. Uh, she had broken her, um, her neck in three places up here and another break in her spine. She had a cracked pelvis, three broken ribs, and some internal bleeding. I know, it just keeps getting better, doesn't it? But the surgery went really well. She's doing great. Um, they expect her to, to not just make it, but to thrive once this is all done. But when she left church on Sunday, she was going to have lunch with her family. 
Nobody expects an accident like that to happen, right? She wasn't planning for that. She didn't think it was going to happen, but it did. Well, in our passage tonight, James also stresses the fact that life is fleeting. We're only here for a little while, and then we look upon eternity. Now, your, your translation could call it a mist, could call it a vapor, but if you think about either one of those things, they, just, they are there for a moment, you see them, and then they dissolve, and they're gone. And really, when we hold our lives up against eternity, if you could see the timeline of eternity, we're just but a tiny blip on that long line that is eternity. Stephen had plans for his life. He would graduate soon. He was going to go on. He had a business degree. I think he even had a job lined up because he'd had an internship. When he went out with his friends that night, he had no idea that that would be his last night on earth. Zero. He was having a good time up until moments before the tragedy. But this passage, really, if you look at it, has more to say to us than life is fleeting. That life quickly fades away. And James, you can't read this, since James is not telling us that we shouldn't make plans for the future. That's not it at all. That would not be good advice from me or anyone else. He's saying that if you and I would dare, if we would dare to call ourselves Christians, if we dare to classify ourselves as followers of Christ, if we are truly chasing after Jesus in all that we're doing, we need to be factoring God's will into our plans. It can't just be about what we want. It can't just be about what we desire. A lot of times, our wants and desires get tangled up in worldly issues and worldly ideas. And I'm not bashing wealth and that kind of thing. Money can be a wonderful thing. It can be used to help a lot of people. But, you know, the Bible's clear about that money also can be an avenue towards great sin. I'm not bashing money. Money is is a good thing. What I am telling you tonight is that when you're making plans, and I know you're here for a reason. You're in college because you're making plans for your future, right? You're looking ahead. You have a course of study. You're following a plan. Whatever that degree you're seeking may be is a stepping stone towards your future. And I want to encourage you in that. You should you should work as, you should, you, should, you should really push yourselves as workmen approved to do what God would have you do, that he would be glorified in everything you do. When you're sitting in class or whether you, when you finish this up and you're finding a job, you want to glorify God. Back to the text, verse 17 basically says, if anyone knows the good they ought to be doing and chooses not to do it, they're sinning against God. If anyone knows the good they ought to be doing and chooses not to do it, they're sinning against God. Let me ask you this. How can we know these things? How can we know God's will? How can we know God's plan? How can we know what he wants for our lives? How can we even know the good we ought to be doing? What's going through your mind? How can we know these things? I I can't tell you if I've had it one time, I've had it a hundred times where somebody's come to me and said, Pastor Troy, how in the world am I supposed to know God's will for my life? Have you ever wondered what is God's will for my life? Let me ask you this while you're pondering that question. 
Raise your hand if you have a best friend, somebody you're really close to. Most of you have your hands up right now. How do you know right now, think about that person, whoever it is, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a roommate, maybe it's a sibling, I don't know. How do you know the hopes and dreams of that person? How do you know the fears and doubts of that person that you're close to? How do you know these things? How do you know the hopes and dreams and fears and doubts of your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your siblings? How do you know these things? You know because you're invested in the lives of these people, right? And they're invested in, in your life. As much as even the simple things like the close people to you can probably tell you what your favorite food is. They can probably tell you what you don't like. For me, it's Brussels sprouts. I can't stand them. Thank you. I can't stand them. I still have nightmares about it. Oh, But you, you know things about the people that you're close to, right? And it's because you have invested. It's because you have a personal investment. It's because you care about them. You have a relationship with them. You listen whenever they speak to you. You share moments in time, do you not? You share hopes. You share dreams. You share doubts. You share fears. Listen, I think many of you are sitting there. You can see where I'm going with this. It's the same with God. That's the kind of relationship He wants with each one of us. If you truly want a better understanding of, of God's will, if you want a better understanding of His plan, His direction, His guidance for your life, listen, invest in God. Let him in. Tell him about your hopes. Tell him about your dreams and your fears and your doubts. He knows, but he wants to hear it from you. And I'm one who believes that, and listen, I'm just going to admit to you right now, I'm probably one of the hardest-headed individuals you have ever met, and you guys don't know me well, but if my wife was here, she would testify. I really am. There have been many times in my life when I know God has been right here, screaming at me. And I'm, I've tuned out. When I'm not here, when he's yelling, Troy, you don't want to do that. Troy, don't. You need to stop. It's a bad idea. It's a bad move. Stop right now. Don't do it, Troy. Can't you hear me, Troy? But I was so hard-headed, and I wasn't tuned in to God, and I made my foolish mistakes. And we're all going to make mistakes. The, t the key is to learn from them. So how do we invest in God? We have to spend time in the Word. We have to get into his word. We have to study the scriptures. We have to pray for wisdom and discernment and guidance and understanding. We need to do these things. And prayer doesn't have to be a thee, oh Lord, oh thou art. You don't have to learn King James uh, language to talk to God. He wants you to talk to him like you might talk to your best friend, that person that's so close to you. God wants to be close to you like that. How do we invest? Go to church. Get involved. Get involved with godly pursuits. You know, it's not all about study. Sometimes it's about attending things like this manhunt. Because you're going to do that with other believers, and you're going to fellowship together, and you're being with people that are in the same mind as you, having a good time. Too many people think being a Christian means that you have to be boring. 
that's so far from the truth. Christians are allowed to have fun. We're allowed to have a good time. Whatever it takes is what I'm telling you. Find ways, create waves. I don't know, maybe for you it's something unique. I was super impressed with the worship leaders that were up here. The the singing was absolutely beautiful. I'm going to tell you, on a Sunday morning, rarely am I able to go into worship mode. As a pastor, on Sunday morning, i got a million and one things going through this head of mine. I'm thinking about my children's sermon. I'm thinking about my adult sermon. I'm thinking about uh, communion, or I'm thinking about uh, the worship set. I'm thinking about what i got to do that afternoon. I'm thinking about all these things that go on behind the scenes that make a church service work on a Sunday morning, and rarely can I let go and get into a mode of worship when we're singing and just let go of everything else and praise God. And I was feeling that tonight. So thank you. Worship team, where are you? Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Now, we've been talking through some different things. I'm going to tell you in case you were wondering, I was not born a pastor. No one is. Okay, in my childhood, I went to a Christian school. It was crazy. I lived in the projects. I did, but I went to a Christian school, and the only reason I went to a Christian school is because my father was a bigot. He was. My father was not saved. He was as lost as lost could be. He was an alcoholic. He was a womanizer. He beat my mother. I saw it. I have vivid memories of being three years old like it was yesterday. It was horrible. But my father sent me to a Christian school. You know why? He didn't want me going to school with the black kids. Dear Dad. It's sad. I hate to say it to you, but that's what it, that was his motivation. But what he didn't realize is that what somebody means for evil, God can use for his glory. I came to know my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because I went to that school And I had it poured in, but unfortunately, unfortunately, if I'm being 100% honest, as a child, man, I had all the book sense in the world. I had all the head knowledge of Jesus Christ. I could could win all the little Bibles drills where you had to find the right verse. Man, I knew all the answers. I knew all the stories. I had it all. But the relationship. It was here, but it wasn't here. And then as a teenager, when my father finally left, it was just my mom and I, she worked all the time, and I had way too much time alone. And I ran from the Lord. Oh, yeah. I did everything that you know you're not supposed to be doing. I was doing it in high school. I ran from the Lord. I was too worried about being cool. I was too worried about playing soccer. I was too worried about chasing girls. I was too worried about all the worldly pursuits I could get my hands on. And I wasn't worried about living for the Lord. As a young uh, adult, I carried that on. I went to college. 18 years old, I started going to school. I went to a community college because I didn't have any money. I went to a college. Here and there, I piddled around. I finally got accepted to VCU. I went to art school. I got accepted, piddled around. I went to college not for the right reasons. I went to college to chase girls. I went to college to go to parties. Before long, VCU rather politely asked me not to come back. I went on academic suspension. They said, get out, but they said it nicer than that. Then I was out in the real world. Young man, didn't finish college. Praise God, the Lord brought Christy into my life. 
And he used her to save me, to bring me back to him. I had a job that I hated. I worked hard. We got married. I helped finish getting my wife through nursing school. She graduated, had a great job. She looked and she said, Troy, I'm tired of you being so, so just disgusted and, and upset all the time. You got to go back to school. So I, got, I went back to VCU. I had a wife and one child. I was a different man. I was focused. I was mature. I was adult. I made straight A's. First semester in, we found out we were pregnant again. I thought, oh, Lord, I'm going to have to drop out again. I can't do this. We can't afford school if we got another baby on the way. God took care of me. One of my professors paid for one of my semesters of college. A professor. Yeah. I graduated. My, my, little, my second boy, Zane, was, was six months old. But before I even graduated, I had a, I had a wonderful um, uh, mentor at the college who helped me get a... a um, an interview at a school, I graduated from VCU with a degree in art education. I got an art teaching job. It was a great school. I loved it. One of my other loves in life is soccer. I had an art teaching job, and I was coaching soccer. I thought, man, I'm going to spend 30 years here, and then I'm going to retire a happy man. It was awesome. I coached boys soccer in the fall and girls soccer in the spring, and I loved it. Did that for five years, and then God turned my world upside down. My wife and I told you, my wife brought me back to church. We got involved. We got back to the Lord. We got involved. We had our kids in church. The youth pastor left, and they needed help, so I worked with kids. Hey, I'll help. I'll fill in. I got invited to go on a mission trip to Brazil. I'd never been on a mission trip. My wife had. She said, Troy, you really need to go. It's changed your life. I went on this mission trip to Brazil. I'll never forget it. I went to Brazil. I was in a meeting, a group meeting. There were 200 kids in this room. A young journeyman, um, that's a, a part-time missionary, came. And he was talking about his journey, and his name was Jeremy. I'll never forget it. He said he remembered a time when God spoke to him. Real clear, he heard the voice of God, and he heard God say, Jeremy, just trust me. Jeremy, just trust me. And I'm going to tell you, I swear to you right now, as I'm standing here before you, some people are like, oh, I heard the voice of God. And then you think, well, we better call the guys to take him away. I know. While I was sitting in that room, it was 200 people, but all of a sudden that room got really small. It got really, really small, and it was just me and Jeremy. And I could hear Jeremy talking. I could see his mouth moving, but instead of him saying, Jeremy, just trust me, I was hearing, Troy, just trust me. Troy, just trust me. And I started crying. I couldn't believe it. I was overwhelmed. After the meeting, I went and talked to the pastor that was with us. I told him what happened. He said, man, it sounds like God is talking to you. We got back to the States. I told my wife. She goes, oh, boy, what's going to happen? I talked to my pastor. He said, if God's talking to you, you got to listen. The next thing I know, I'm giving up my dream job to go to seminary. I love that job. And God said, give it up. I gave it up. I went to seminary. I'm in seminary, we're on a missions track because we had this belief, my wife and I, that we were to work with Hispanics somewhere in the world. I'm going to make this short story a lot shorter. Three, while we were in seminary, I served at a small Hispanic mission, played on the worship team, worked with the children. We ended up going to New Tribes Mission, 
And what happened is I'm scrolling. I'm trying to find a place that we can work with the Spanish. I'm looking on their website. I'm scrolling down. All of a sudden, the word Paraguay pops up. And I'm like, what's Paraguay? I look. It's, it's on, look on the map. It's right in the middle of South America. I didn't know much about Paraguay. I said, let's check it out. So I clicked on it, looked at it. Guess what they needed in Paraguay? An art teacher. I thought, no, I had chills. I was like, no. <laughs> no. And so I marked it, and then I went scrolling some more. And I looked down. I looked down. Oh, there's Paraguay again. Well, what's this? I clicked on it. It was a Christian school. The first one I saw wanted an art teacher. There's the same Christian school. I clicked on it. This time, what they wanted was a school nurse. My wife is a nurse. I said, okay, God, you don't have to beat me over the head with this. I get it. So I'm living in Texas at the time. I'm in Fort Worth, Texas. I decided to call the school to get the lowdown. I want to find out what's going on. I, I asked to speak to the director of the school, like a principal. Secretary said, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Pearson. Uh, she's actually in the United States doing a recruiting drive right now. She, we can't let you talk to her. If you try back in three weeks, you can get her. I said, well, okay. D can you tell me where she is in the United States? She's in Dallas, Texas. 35 minutes from where I live. You going to tell me we don't have a big God? We have a big God. I went to see this person. My wife and I did everything we could. We got there to meet this woman. We hit it off right away. We spent about an hour talking. I jokingly said to my wife on the ride there, I said, you know, honey, this is really seems like it's from the Lord. If she asked me to coach soccer, I know that she wants us in Paraguay. But we had our interview, and everything went well, and then we were getting ready to leave, and we're walking away, and she goes, oh, wait a second, Troy. I see on your resume that you coach soccer. <laughs> Our soccer coach is leaving this year. Would you be willing to coach the soccer team? God has a plan for your life. You may not see it in the, in the, in the midst of what's going on. You may not see it all the time. You may not know where he's going to take you. You just have to enjoy the ride, and you have to be open. You have to open your heart. You have to open your, your mind. You have to be willing to listen. And the way you're going to know is by getting into the relationship with him and being open. I can't say, you will audibly hear the voice of God. I can't promise you that. I was freaked out. But God will reveal to you what he wants for you. He's already given us clues. If you're getting into the word, you've got basic guidelines for how to live your life. You've got basic guidelines for what he wants and expects from you and every other believer, but he will fine-tune your journey for you if you'll just open up your ears and listen and trust him. Sometimes you may think your plan is the best plan ever. I loved my job. I loved teaching. I loved coaching. He took it away, and then he gave it back. We serve a mighty God.